Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. Well, here we are, Catholic Stuff You Should Know. Are we live? Uh, live in, well, no, it's not live, I guess. We're recording from upstate New York in New England, United States of America. Well, I think that we had uh, discussed this at dinner that we're not technically in New England. Not in New England. I yep. just ate the New England platter. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so it's, uh, we're in a hotel room kind of awkwardly sitting on beds here in, uh, outside of Orisville, New York. Uh, on pilgrimage, so congrats, boys! We made it to the shrine of the North hey. American Martyrs. We have uh, Jacob, Father Sean, Father Mike, and myself, and then we have a uh, special guest here who we're going to introduce. Here we go. He's been known as the most interesting man in the world. You might have seen him in Dos Equis commercials. <laughs> Father Tim Danaher. Hey, the best part of waking up. Is Folgers in, in your, your cup? cup. How many t- how many mornings Terrible. of your life can you actually mean that? We're drinking Folgers. <laughs> is it? Is it the best? Why? Is it the best part of waking up? Does that mean you don't you don't buy Folgers? It means I don't buy Folgers. Uh, <laughs> that's the, one of the greatest jingles of all time. I'll tell you that. Father Tim Danher has been. Um, he was described yesterday as the uh, kind of the wizard from the oh, Wizard he of is Oz, the, the, the man, the man behind the curtain, sending you emails. Believe it or not, those are not from Father Mike Rapp. <laughs> Who? I'm sorry to disenchant <laughs> and scandalize you. <laughs> we could share the secrets out loud. If you address one of you personally, though, yeah, then it, it does goes, reach you. It does reach us. Yeah, but that that's there's no promise that I will return that email. Right, but they do reach us. If <laughs> I'm very you, careful. Look, if you specifically, but if you if you speak to the podcast, then Tim speaks in the name. Of the podcast, yep. he's like Mr. Yeah. Catholic stuff. I wonder if we should even be telling people this. How long All these emails come in. Well, you do he, get a review. You see things. I let you see everything. Okay, so here's I'm, I'm your uh, I'm like a control board guy. I just oh, it's it's glorious. His method is honed. I mean, this guy's been at it for what? What did you say? Twelve years. Yeah. Yeah. Something. And he's he has refined the system. <laughs> he's and the most it, o- overqualified email correspondent. Well, that's what I was going to say. For any podcast, the reason that we got he, Schmidt's beat, we got Baron beat. I I would put our email guy against any email yeah. guy <laughs> on any podcast. Way over. I met Joe the, Rogan. I met send the, your guy. I got. We got a better guy. I met the lanky guy. This guy, terrible, <laughs> terrible guy. Uh, this guy though, here, uh, Father Tim. He is a Dominican. Priest, that's an office of preacher. At the end of your, I don't know. Order. I don't know what I'm Order talking. About. Order. Of pre- this is embarrassing. <laughs> okay. Speaking, speak, I can go. To I'm this confused. Later. No, I don't want to talk. Let the man later. talk. No, fold it. no. But, let me uh, tell you. More fold. Yeah. The whole idea of the a reason that I love. Okay, yes. The reason that I love this in particular <laughs> is we have an we have a true expert. That's what I want to say. We have a true expert answering the emails. So when we just throw out all kinds of stuff. And it can be nonsense. It could need fact checked. Bethany Doyle is telling me, "Oh, you better check those facts." <laughs> the people email. We have a Dominican. That means a son of Thomas Aquinas, the I, great master who responds to the emails and the theology questions. You know who the master of the sacred palace is, or what that is? The sacred palace. Yeah, is he, that the same as the papal theologian? Yes. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Wojciech Giertych. Yeah, he's amazing. I love his eyebrows. Yeah. He, Bro, yes. I mean, these are eyebrows. They go. Is it bigger? Oh, oh, they're huge. But like they've the, been, Dominicans have been doing this for the last. But as a flying nuns. Yeah. Uh, what's that called? They wear around their face. The veil. No, no there, there's a, there's a more finely tuned word. <laughs> what are you talking about? Wimple. 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 But yeah. they're yeah, some of them fly. They got that fly. He has eyebrows that yeah. have wings. No, let <laughs> me tell you. What do you mean that thing? the Dominicans have been doing this? Is it like I a may, no, part I'm of the that's habit? my role for that's you? That's real. I'm oh. the master of the podcast palace. <laughs> yes. Okay. <laughs> I was thinking, no, it's just a little bit of having to do some editing as you publish your thoughts. Yeah. Um, the second thing, too, is that guy. Well, I want to see those this role, eyebrows, though. I'm going to yeah. get you some of those Halloween eyebrows. Good you luck Google go searching Wojciech Giertich. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's right. He was with us once on retreat. We were at a rest stop in Habit. Everybody in white robes, freaking the rural people of Indiana out. And we stopped, and he he's a serious guy. 
And he goes, what is, what is a beer cave? <laughs> so we walked in. Hey, it's just a big fridge. You know, it's not impressive. He goes, they have, they have Beck's. Beck's is good beer. <laughs> I, yeah. That's my only brag. I got to show him what a beer uh, cave was. Is Beck's good beer or is it the Folgers of beer? I, I, I don't know if I've ever had Beck's or never been drawn to it. Vito. But we, uh, um, okay, so uh, let's, let's ask uh, Father Tim here a couple questions before we get into the topic. Is that all right, Mikey? Sure. I asked him yeah. earlier at breakfast. He was, just wake, he was just having the best part of waking up. Uh, do you prefer talking to strangers or friends? And, you know, I, I, this hmm. is an interesting question for you also. Yeah, I like that question. Uh, because you like uh, talking to strangers. I was never taught no, don't talk to strangers. No, but do you I have prefer? Would chance. you rather talk to strangers? Because I think you would. I'm not sure and I, who and I he call He really friends. kind of it was. He started immediately qualifying. It was like respondium quodicens. He got known. It's just yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's just the same answer for Aquinas. I don't know. I'm interested. I haven't thought about it. how about that. I do like talking to strangers. Strangers don't always like talking to you. I guess you could say the same for friends. I don't know. Let me think about this. <laughs> I mean, I responded just to repeat myself. Um, am I my father's son or my mother's son? Right. Because mm. my father, I, I have a theory. This got, uh, this was edited at breakfast. But I think if, you're, if your father talked to strangers, his, the children will. Mm. And if your mother talked to strangers, children won't. Maybe that's, Interesting. maybe that's going against gender speak or whatever. But I, I don't know. I think there's something there. And what did you say? I said my mother talks to strangers and my father doesn't. I don't talk to yeah, strangers, that's so right. the theory holds. <laughs> no, I got a father who talks to strangers. So do I. That's why we do. Is yeah. your mom? Not as much. Not as much. See? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's an interesting theory. Neither one of my parents talk to strangers. <laughs> <laughs> do you? What about you? I don't know. See? I think you can be cordial. I mean, we're talking about, you know, your basic human interaction, you know, greeting somebody, hello, that. pardon me, hold the door. But, right. you know, walking up to him and be like, if you were a monkey, which African country would you live in? Like this is I, I've heard that's conversations a, yeah. start like this. That's a classic Mike Rap introduction. Hey man, makes friends on a subway car. Yeah. What about you, Jake? Uh, I talk to strangers. I think my dad is more open with strangers. I don't know. My mom receives anybody, but I think my dad's more like I'll go start a conversation. This does not hold true for Chris Considine, though. Oh, yeah. yeah. His dad is the most talkative person in the world. Oh, you're right. Yeah, Clifford. Mm. Clifford from the Northeast, uh, from Long Island. But There's always outliers. There's always outliers. Okay. Yeah, we don't need to get into it then. <laughs> All right, Father Sean, ask the most interesting man in the world a question here before we get into the topic. So Wait, hold college- on. A piece of advice. Oh. Can I give... <laughs> Can I give a piece of advice to those who like to talk to strangers? You should probably introduce yourself and tell them your name at some point in a conversation. That's the part I leave out. I ask them about the monkeys and what kind of service animal they would like, but I don't tell them my name. And I'm learning. Maybe that's my New Year's resolution next year. That's all. Piece of what? So you're a college chaplain. I am. Yeah, I saw. I, I just drove down right from Dartmouth College, Dartmouth, uh, New Hampshire. What's the What's the best part about being a college chaplain? What's probably the hardest part? Um, I think the best part of being a college chaplain is. I mean, I'm lear- I'm learning this. I've been there over a year, and um, I get now. I'm going to seem sensitive. This is good. It's good. Vulnerable. Um, that's a mark of the companion. I, I get, I get like at times surges of joy. Maybe that's improper. Right? I, I get these kind of waves of joy because you, I mean, college years are, I think, psychologically and spiritually, when people do a lot of growing up. You, I mean, I, I get, I think I see transformation. I think in parish ministry, which I still love, there was a lot of graces of reversion, or graces of people deepening their prayer. But um, I think it's the time of life where I, <clears throat> I see transformation towards Christ, and, and, and I also realize that it's not caused by me. And a lot of times, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll have a student who will come from the chapel and be like, I just was alone in the chapel and had this huge experience and describe it. I mean, that's, that's like directly from like the tabernacle to them, and they're just telling me about it. Or, or other times mm. it's through their peers, mm. or other times it's through 
the basic things. Like we have students who just any given liturgy, um, they'll kind of get shaken by it and want to talk. So I, I, the joy I have is, is I'm observing transformation, even though I am the priest in place. It's not, there's no delight in being, a. I mean, we're, we all have a role of being, you know, God uses his instrument. I'm proud of you. But you you know who the cause is. I mean, in those in those moments, there's no. Yeah. You're just like you're 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 in awe of it. I think the hardest thing about being a college chaplain is, um. I think in this generation, is just the even since my college years, you can already measure, just like how distractibility has just increased and trying to battle that yeah. and battle that for myself and battle that for them. I love that T.S. Eliot quote. I mean, it's crazy. Eliot wrote this uh, almost 100 years ago. It was like 1938 or something. You know, we, this is for Cortez. We are distracted from distraction by distraction. Mm. I'm like, that's it. Wow. So I, I, I think that's even more intense when... Uh, you get a whole generation gathered together. Um, yeah, it's, 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 but, but I, I also think that the strange thing to that I'm discovering about college ministry is, and maybe, maybe we don't talk about this in America, but it's also a challenge that I'm one of the few adults led into that entire world. You're not going to talk to your professors because they're there and they have office hours, but it's mostly like grade based and there's a given structure. You're not going to really reach out to like a dean of students if you have. I mean, I I do get Catholics and Christians and a whole slew of other people that will even sit down and tell me like, "Hey, I'm not, I don't really believe in God," or "I'm uh, this or that sexuality," or like like kind of things where you you wouldn't say, "Oh, this I bet this person meets with a priest," you know. And they'll, but it's I, I'm starting to wonder. Why are they coming to my office to talk to me in sort of a steady stream? And it's not because, like, of guru status. It's because there are no other adults in this entire world. Mm. And that's also sort of personally for me. That's not the work side of things. The personal living, living as a college chaplain, um, there are not many peers. You know, you have older professors, Mm. 18 to 22-year-olds, who are great. Um Somebody picked up on that once. They're like, "You have anybody your own age up there?" I was like, yeah. "Come to think of it, <laughs> are there young professors really. or anybody like yeah, that?" There's, yeah, there's a handful. The staff, but you're not teaching. Cook. You're not teaching at the university, are you? No. Okay. No. I do. We do some as as Christian community. We do offer just it's not for credit, but we do offer like night classes. Mm-hmm. What about teaching. this? Yeah. Um, do you? So I'm a college student, and there's this. Constant refrain from Father Tim, you need to evangelize. You need to evangelize. This is the Gospels. You're hearing the, in your prayer, you're hearing you need to evangelize. Then, is it enough? What? How far do you think, what's the value of inviting someone to come to Mass with you? I say that because you've just described how Jesus is at work. Jesus wants to pursue the souls of anybody who's not coming to him you know and anybody's not in contact with it if you if you bring them around the church there's a greater potential you're opening a door for that um is it um, how do you go about that because i think sometimes college students f- from my perspective have a lot of goodwill about they're trying to grow in their spiritual life and they're a little insecure about evangelizing but there's something really simple about just bring somebody to mass. I think it works something like Jesus says, go out, proclaim the gospel, offer peace to a house. Say, peace be with this house. If the peace sticks, cool, go with it. If it doesn't, whatever, move on. And I think it can be like that on in, in college. You say, I, I'm going to invite my friends. If it doesn't stick, whatever, it's not their time. If it does, praise God, here you go. You know, a real simple way to answer. Is that right? I don't. Yeah, I don't I think, do I think that's college on. ministry. I, mean, I think if I think people know when you're overly strategic and you're trying to capture. Mm-hmm. I think you need to live life as Christians confidently, and it, that draws people. And you invite. I mean, you make the invite. I I I think of Jasani, who was asked one time in an interview about priesthood. He's like, "What makes a good priest?" And I love it. He goes, first, you have to be a man." 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He made that naturally. Mm-hmm. And he's just like, you need to be a man, and you need to, you know, for lack of better rhetoric, be yourself and be normal. And then, I mean, because invites never happen if things are either ratcheted so up in intensity, it's like, you know, does anybody belong here? You know, we sort of get yeah. the Puritanism, Jansenism feeling. I mean, people, people, people pick up on this instinctually. You, yeah. you walk into, it's, it's the tone of prayers, the tone of a sermon. It's, it's, it's even your meal that you have for students throughout the week. We have a big meal. It's like people can tell um, whether normal, I mean, you've got to set the tone of like, yeah. And I don't mean just masculine, masculine, feminine, normalcy, Catholic. I think, um, I think naturalness is. I I mean I I think that's more than fifty percent. I was G- oh sorry. Yeah yeah. I just wanted to say on the Giassani front because what's interesting is talking to you. What's what's refreshing is you're not just like I'm at this Ivy school uh, and it's just you know wokeism dominates everything. Like we've kind of you know created this kind of we're entrenching the church, we're building the bastions again, and it's like the world is just completely destroyed. And you're very hopeful, and I think that Giassani, uh, who's a great kind of master for you, uh, I wonder just how he's affected that, just kind of keeping that open heart towards reality, towards uh, the people that you meet, the conversations that you have, and just not getting kind of caught up in the kind of... um, Because the ideological forces are there, but it's not just like... You're just in this sea of darkness kind of by yourself, you know, which is sometimes kind of how. Yeah, I, I also wonder if things like wokeism, I mean, I'm going out on a limb here. I haven't thought about this. We'll just put it on air. That's fine. It's uh, going to be your uh, Father Tim to correct this one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. I'll papal theologian myself. Um, there's, I, I wonder if wokeism is actually a very, like, died in the wool wokeism is a vocal minority. Like atheism, like I, I remember, that I, I discovered George Washington University in D.C. We met with the Atheist Club, and like nice. had a dialogue, and like they a they, snowball fight. Yes, oh, we had a dialogue. Okay, that's nice. <laughs> now this was like I wish we could do a snowball fight. Um, um, you're bringing back memories that I want to chase and describe, but <laughs> but not with the Atheist Club at GW. Um, they. They felt like it was, the surprising thing is they felt like Catholic centers. They both had like a like we the few. You know, there was this and and like everybody in the middle was lukewarm. It's just like and it's strange. Like I I think I think mm. wokeism at, at least at our college is the same. It's like there are there is a small percentage of people who are just like totally going for that. But I think the majority is sort of just like Americans or something. I mean, just kind of and so I, I wonder like how much these things which are disturbing are sort of like they they win all the airwaves and they're and it's damaging i mean they do all of the i mean they they're getting out there in the air but like in in lived monday through friday campus life i i just it's not like i like wake up and like make an act of hope it's like um you don't face it in the majority of people i think yeah. it's in the air I think the, the, that's Ivy, my experience. the Ivy Leagues take the spotlight because it's the influence of the f- faculties. It's the professors at these schools who are writing books and then also training like powerful people in well, the business world, in the legal system, in politics that will have the most profound kind of trickle-down influence. And yeah. So I don't know that we're all that scared of... I don't know, scared. Um, I, I don't know that the the students themselves are of as much interest, even though that's kind of like where you see their effect. You see their effect in the rabid young because the young are more willing to say things that are provocative and do things that are, you know, a little more And they say it on the internet, but not in real life. Yeah. You know, they just walk around and get coffee. And like even me, I'm walking by as a priest. I kind of like wave, but... Then they're going on the internet. But so when you say normal, um, you, you don't mean that somehow we have to join the team, though. It's not like you you have to host your woke events. Because I think there's some some sympathies shared by all the Americans. Like you say, the average person. We don't want racism. It's, it's difficult to know how to address that issue. We want to be sensitive to people who feel on the outs, all these things. But... 
do you have to because that's in the air is that the definition of a kind of normal now um or do you find most of the catholics kind of like defi- defining themselves in opposition to that well if it's not that big of a culture then whatever anyway yeah i, I it's a good question i'll answer simply like i think probably what hurts the church most we just I'm getting this point from some of our students. We just talked about this last week together at lunch. And um, I don't think sort of the over-inflated messages are like creating this pressure cookie cooker. Uh, pressure cookie, that's an interesting concept. <laughs> you ever think about that? You better get the theologian on the yeah. What could defining terms. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> pressure I cookie. <laughs> I, I don't. I don't know. I, I mean, we we focus a lot on what is being said, but I I, I think these students are saying it might be more damaging. What's not allowed to be said? Like it's like Paul. What is it? Romans ten or eleven. It's just like how should they believe if no one preaches? How should what no one preach if no one is sent? Like there's. Think about this with these students, and I walked away from this lunch, my head spinning. So I'm like, that is really major. Where if Christianity and God is um, is just kind of it's it's just a general agreement, just like we we're not going to talk about these things. It's all privatized. I just think like Christian like these things operate. It's like they need constantly mentioned. Faith is sustained. The church is sustained by by relentless preaching, or even it's or even people talking about. It. And, I, and I feel like these like unofficial laws of you know it's it's rude to speak about these things that i think that's more damaging maybe than some other messages I don't know. all right i'm so, getting that from like 20 year olds that were telling i don't know i was listening to them i was like wow yeah yeah i'm gonna switch it up because they they feel that sorry they their their big complaint is just like we can't like we can't talk about these things i'm like hmm. yeah okay so um the woke thing, yeah, I mean, we could do that forever if you want, but... No, I think we should get to... I'm going to switch it yeah. up and either start asking you about the history of the Dominicans and why you wear that goofy hood and white and such, or probably um, some share some graces from the pilgrimage. Why don't we do a round of graces, and if we have time uh, at the end, we can circle okay. back to... I can even in 15 seconds answer both of his questions. Go for it. Hello. The, the hood is because churches in Europe were cold. Oh, practical. And the white was because it was the cheapest undyed cloth. Graces. <laughs> well, okay. And, and Pope, Pius v, Pope St. Pius V was a Dominican. Yes. And wore white, and that's why popes wore white. Wow, okay. <laughs> do they do that anymore? Hey, Dave, this is Catholic <laughs> the stuff. More you know. What about, um, as long as we're on this uh, trivia, <laughs> Dominican trivia, why, what's the deal with the rosary? Aren't you always promoting the rosary? Later development. <coughs> is, was it invented by the Dominicans? I think it was promoted. The easy, it's, it's actually the beautiful, beautiful thing about the rosary in 15 more seconds is that it's, it's, it's not in our earliest documents. It is a devotion of the laity, which is beautiful. It's not always a saint that has a vision. People are just like, of course, that's how it's... It, it's certainly the laity. The Holy Spirit can inspire the people of God directly, you know. Dominicans were the first biggest promoters, the first priest wow. to take it up. Yeah. Okay. 15-second recap from your conversation yesterday. Did St. Dominic have a dog? Did anybody in medieval <laughs> Europe have dogs? That's, that's the response. That's right. No. Towns had dogs. You know. Yeah. All right. It's and just how it should be. Dogs let were... Towns have dogs. Let's, let's be communist about... Let's be Plato's Republic about pet ownership. That's my theory. Go. But Go. are they feral or were they like owned by the town? Oh, yeah, I think... The, the, like they, named by the town, fed by the town? Yeah, I mean, I think the definition of dog... With due respect, Mike, is uh, you had wild animals, feral, that yeah. came Wolves, near the town, bingos. right, and then became domesticated. Are they all from? Where was the cat first? Domesticated? And because we're in Mohawk territory, upstate New York, which is true, for the Jesuit martyrs and Katiri, we're going to the shrine today. Um, you know about eating dogs. Well, High feasts. You know about this? No. You're, you're looking at me with wide eyes. <laughs> no. Look, I live in Capitol Hill, Denver. If you ate any of those dogs, you'd be in a lot of trouble. Eastern Eastern Shore tribes, that was, yeah, big holidays. And the dogs they raised. I mean, that was what was like, it was like the same as like cows. It was like dogs were, and then... There's a famous the meat was famous line. I was talking about these guys from Myanmar that we love. We, we sponsored two of them, and somebody at... One day asked Stephen Natong, said, 
uh, do you like dog? And he goes, nah, tastes too much like monkey. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to turn off the audience talking about eating dogs. What about the Dominicanes thing? 15 seconds, then Dominicanes. we got to go. Book's going to have our head on a platter. You know what I mean? Like, okay, at, at Toulouse, the at the Jacobin, there are these gargoyles that are dogs, kind of like hounds, maybe. And I loved them, but someone told me that it's the dogs of the Lord. Yeah, I mean, look, is that a legend or is that good tradition? Slightly later tradition. Okay, okay. Popcorn, John. Uh, all right. So, <laughs> you want to do a round of graces? Do you want to explain real quick? Um, give a brief kind of word on where are we and why we did this pilgrimage and what is it? Well, maybe somebody over here. All right. What are what are we doing? Where are we? So we are up in upstate New York, as we said, next to the Shrine of St. Kateri and the North American Martyrs, Our Lady of Martyrs Shrine, um, Ariesville, New York. We walked from Lake George, which is um, a famous lake, um, originally called the Lake of the Blessed Sacrament, named by St. Isaac Jogues himself. Um, and then he was martyred 60 miles south um, in, in this place called Ariesville. So we walked from Lake George where... Uh, he first sailed or first canoed across <clears throat> and then uh, 60 miles south as a band of brothers uh, walked over the course of three days so 20 miles in three days 20 miles each day for three days of 60 miles yesterday we got to the shrine and uh, we were singing we were chanting and then we got and celebrated mass and then all the full members made their renewal of promises for the companions um, so a pilgrimage right is essentially to kind of renew our spirituality, new, renew our spiritual life, uh, renew the brotherhood, uh, renew our promises to the companions. Originally, this pilgrimage was called Pilgrimage for the Restoration. Um, restoration of what? Kind of our, our mm. bond with the Lord, you know, to renew ourselves, to restore ourselves. Who named it Rest? Pilgrimage of the Restoration? So Book was I, talking I, about yeah. this. He was saying that uh, originally this was started <laughs> oh, about... This was- uh, oh, this is old. This isn't just ours. This is the official one. This nickname. isn't ours. Oh, okay. This was the one started like 25 years ago, he said, by um, the. F- I think it was a group of French priests who were living here, and every year they would go back to France, is what he was saying, and they would do this walking pilgrimage out there. And then they kind of were challenged, why don't you guys do this in America? You guys need to find shrines and holy sites in America. And so 25 years ago, Book was kind of in the early development. He said he was living up here at the time. They named it pilgrimage, uh, restoration, pil- pilgrimage uh, for the restoration, and then eventually the the got dropped out because it sounded like too uh, Christendom. And too I think it was. I think this is Tradies. Yeah. Yep. It's like yeah. I and think so it now was they, the restoration. Like so they took yeah. out the the and yeah. now it's just pilgrimage for restoration. Yeah. So more of a spiritual restoration. Which I don't and know how is, I don't know how your body's feeling today, but. There's no rest. This was no restoration. <laughs> right. this, is, this is destruction. Sixty-five exactly. miles on roads. Yeah, these, yeah, these old, guys are desperate. The old like, guys are feeling like, it. Like um, stumbling into Stewart's. Stewart's get some malts and ice creams for restoration. The best peanut butter in the world. Peanut butter ice cream in the world is what they say. Yeah, you can chime in on that, uh, listener land, about whether or not Stewart's is the best ice peanut cream. Peanut butter pandemonium. I'm not really a sweets guy, so don't know anything about this. Uh, what about graces from the so when we say share graces one of the traditions that the companions have is that on saturday nights when we have lord's day dinners we go around the table and each guy mentions some way that god has um, worked in their life that week and it can be big or small usually they're little ways and um, that might mean um, some source of conversion or God just shows up and shows himself in suffering or enjoys. Often it's related to our priestly life and the way that God has, like Father Tim had said, God will surprise you with the way that he's working in the, the people around you. And it's one of those great delights. I think he called it surges of joy. Ride the wave. Oh, this guy's a poet, man. He is a very poetic soul. Um so we'll share something of like how God spoke to us along that way. On, on a pilgrimage, you're in some way um, seeking, seeking the Lord. You're seeking something. I mean, you're traveling somewhere. And in part, that's just seeking the voice of the Lord, opening yourself to, 
um, hearing, opening your ears to hearing, opening your eyes to seeing. So, andale, andale. Okay, I'll start us off. Oh so no, allons-y. We're in French country. Allons-y. I, uh, um, yeah, I, I would say I was going into this um, uh, excited to be with the guys. Uh, this was just a great. It was just great. I love being back on the on the. Uh, on the trail together and um i just thought the fraternity was amazing i was looking forward to that but i wasn't exactly excited to be in upstate new york and i don't i didn't particularly have a devotion to the martyrs and i was kind of like uh, i wish we were in colorado right now uh really? getting soaking up the last of the of the mountains um before winter comes and um then i just getting on the road uh, which was a road which i was also not trained up for um and uh i just had terrible terrible knee trouble um and it reminded me of the camino uh and jason wunch has this line where he's like everybody has their own camino so you all go together and it's just like god gives everybody a different a different camino some guys it's easy they need they need just the victory of you know and a, and consolation other guys it's it's desolate it's suffering and uh and this one was um this one was just tough both spiritually and then physically. Um, and it was good. It was good for humility to get, you know, coming off the Carro trail and thinking, I'm, you know, so awesome. And then just suck and be like the last guy dragging up into Orisville, uh, in front of all the boys, you know? Um, and, uh, that was just a really good thing. And then there was just a lot of intentions that people were texting me. Um, and I was just, there was a lot of just physical, just grind it out. I mean, that, that seven mile stretch, uh, we, had, we usually have four stretches each day. There was a seven mile yesterday. We were just going down this monster hill and it was just like gritting it. Uh, and I felt like it was just, you need to just stop thinking about yourself for once and just make an offering and like really offer this pain. And then especially in light of this daily meditation of the, the unbelievable heroism, um, uh, supernatural heroism of uh, of these guys and what they suffered and the tiny tiny ways that I kind of get self you know self occupied and preoccupied about whatever and so it was it was a good it was kind of like a recalibration I think but but that was it for me awesome yeah, thanks for sharing Dan who's next <laughs> hit it Sean God is uh, gracious God is gracious <laughs> that is that's never gonna get old. <laughs> Um, yeah, I would say <clears throat> for me, I'm still definitely unpacking it. I, uh, wasn't super pumped to be up in upstate New York either. Um, probably similar to John, just wanting to more be back home in Colorado and, and soak up the beauty there. Uh, what is wrong you, with you guys? You had, a, <laughs> Boring. you had this great line where you were just like in, in the, the beautiful forest here, like the, you can't see anywhere. You're like, I feel claustrophobic i'm like yes that's a perfect way to describe it i feel claustrophobic i can't see anything you're walking down the path down the road on the asphalt and you're just like where are we right now because all i see is you know wherever the road goes in front of us behind us but then you're just in this thick forest you can't see anything around you i love being up on top of something where you can kind of overlook and see everything it's because you've always been up on top of the world <laughs> that's right overlooking everything that's right father sean is um seven foot three inches tall <laughs> close um so yeah still unpacking it but i would say the most powerful part for me was uh so we had some vans that we were kind of leapfrogging um, but the very last segment i drove ahead to the shrine with two other guys and then we walked back to meet the guys that way we could all finish the pilgrimage together and uh, we encountered the guys. We got to the part where they were. And there's this great joy. Like, we're going to finish this together. We have about a mile to go. Uh, we were very excited. Everyone was in pain. I was in pain, uh, et cetera. And then we kind of turned the corner and go up this hill to go to the North American Martyr Shrine. Kind of sits on the hill and overlooks the valley. And then uh, we started singing some songs. Um, Ave Maria, uh, Lift High the Cross, the Te Deum, etc. And then we get to the outside the the shrine and we're just singing and like, yeah, I just started to, to kind of tear up a little bit. It was really powerful and really beautiful. And I felt like in the moment, the Lord was just like, you have brothers and you may not be martyred together, uh, but you guys all are experiencing a certain martyrdom, maybe in the body of the pain, maybe in uh, certain things that have happened in the companions of the, the grudges and the resentments that kind of have built in our heart over time, uh, my own heart. And the Lord was just like, 
but you have a band of brothers and yeah, it gets messy. Yeah, there might be martyrdom. Yeah, there might be sufferings. But you're here together. You do hard things together. You've done hard things together. Keep going. Uh, the brotherhood's worth it and I'm with you. So it was great. It was a beautiful ending of the trip. That's great. Thanks, Johnny. Yeah, I um, was very excited to come to upstate New York. Yeah, come uh, on. <laughs> I had a friend in college, and uh, she was always telling me, you got to get up to upstate New York. You got to get to the Finger Lakes. You got to, it's beautiful. And uh, she was right. It's beautiful. I loved it. Um, but it's, it's a place I've wanted to come for a while. Um, and to be able to do it with you guys was, was super cool. And I think uh, we talk about pilgrimage, and pilgrimage is obviously a journey to a destination, but it's more about the transformation of the person on the way. Um, our end destination, heaven, uh, makes us all pilgrims here on earth. But I've been fascinated for three, four years about the idea of monastic time. Um, the time, the cycle of the year, uh, the religious cycle, the calendar, um, you do the same thing over and over and over and over again, and it's a circle. But that circle ever goes deeper, right? And so, try just pull the Father Trevor there. Asked you right, bought you in. You can't you can't rebuttal that, but I, I brought right. you in with right, right, <laughs> so, right. Um, no, the uh, the deepening of the ex- the same experience. Um, seminary for me has been that um, kind of like a recapitulation of a lot of my life. It's kind of funny. I uh, when I first really seriously engaged the call to the priesthood again, I went to the Central Province Dominicans and uh, I I met with the the novice master and he goes after i've told him my whole life story he's like why aren't you uh just one question why aren't you exploring the servants of christ jesus in denver or the archdiocese of denver because that's where your entire life has come from where your vocation has come from why not there and i gave him some probably bs answer about like wanting to be you know academic preacher or something um totally not the true charism like is, is me focused. I wear hip glasses, therefore yeah, I should exactly. probably be a Dominican. You know? <laughs> um, is that how it works? But he just he, he just received me really well. Hood. But as he sent me off, he's like, you know, if you really feel this is where you want to be, like come back and talk to me. But he left me, the words he left me with was just make sure you're not running from something. Mm. And I was running from the kind of people who knew me. The pe- I was like, if I'm going to do this religious thing, I'm going to be a stranger. Uh, and it was I was called back to the diocese where people know me. Um, and the entire seminary experience has been like this pilgrimage of recapitulation. So my spirituality year, I get assigned as my apostolate to the high school I went to, you know? So just from the beginning, it's like, you're going to relive these things, but in a deeper way. Mm. Um, and so what made this one so cool subjectively for me was I took, uh, Charles Garnier, one of the North American martyrs that was, uh, martyred up in Quebec, not here, but a little bit farther North as my confirmation sponsor, or uh, confirmation name. Oh, wow. Um, my sponsor, my aunt, kind of just gave me these stories of these saints that she thought I might find cool, and his was like, yeah, you know, getting martyred under an Iroquois attack while giving last rites to the Huron Braves. You know, that's pretty sweet. I'll take that. Wow. Knew nothing else about him. And only later, the North American martyrs kind of reentered my life. And one of it was I read... Saints Among Savages, which is the kind of Isaac Jogues and John de Brebeuf in their own, the words from their letters kind of get weaved into a historical fiction novel on them. And I read that during my 30-day retreat. Um, so I come out of my 30-day retreat thinking, man, I got to get up to the Shrine of the North American Martyrs at wow, some point. Oh, yeah, here you are. And then here I am, you know, three, four months from diaconate, and that desire is being fulfilled. So there's just kind of a a bit of a circular element of my life that's being fulfilled here um, along this pilgrimage. And so, yeah, there's a destination, but it's that kind of, it's the remembrance of the past kind of moving into the future uh, that this pilgrim kind of met in, in this journey uh, with Mm -hmm. you guys. And then objectively um, and kind of outside of, of me, it was just great to walk with the companions, walk with the brothers um, have time to talk and catch up with certain guys I hadn't seen for a while. Father CJ and I, you know, good friends in seminary. He's up north in Windsor, but getting to chat with him on, on some legs. Um, there was one where he just, like, I don't know what got into him, but he just started walking at, like, double time. 
It's those calves, man. He's got <laughs> he's got jet he's fuel, jet fuel, softball size calves, and he just took off. And I'm like, I'm feeling pretty good right now, so I guess I'll keep up with him. You know, I've got the map, so I'll tell he him. He was to trying turn. to run from you. I don't know if you. And the thing, he never got away from me. So where we go? But uh, so that was that was a really good segment about five miles with him where we just took off. Um, yeah, so very. Uh, humanly good with the brothers but then kind of spiritually in our times of prayer i was kind of called back to to people and places uh, and how this is kind of like fulfilling i think the thing this year the theme this year god is just like i fulfill my promises Mm. um and uh and just getting more and more of that on this pilgrimage was pretty sweet it's awesome yeah i would i would uh first off that's beautiful um i've never met anybody who had you know, like a random saint. Usually, you know. Well, I was going to say, That's you pride like really yourself cool. on being unique. Did you pick him in part because no one else would ever have that confirmation? Yeah, who was I? Oh, I was, I was with the service of Christ Jesus and we were, I was talking about, we we're coming on this pilgrimage and, uh, I told them, yeah, St. Charles Garnier is my, uh, my confirmation saint and brother Andrew Burbuff, um, goes, why would you pick him? <laughs> Nobody knows him. And I just looked at him and said, Exactly. exactly. Yeah, <laughs> and see? Brother Andrew goes, that's so Machado. <laughs> exactly. So Machado. I would say, just to qualify, Sean, I think I'll speak on behalf of both of us, but it is beautiful up here. And the leaves are turning, and Colorado's going to look very kind of barren compared to the lushness. And uh, we saw these cemeteries from the 18th century. We'd be walking past, and we would kind of wander into them. And, I mean, uh, it was just they're really amazing. So it, it this is a beautiful place if you're in upstate New York and you're like, yep, these two idiots, you know, talking smack. Like this is, yeah. Well, we I just, know it we wasn't the high peaks. I know it wasn't that. I guess why I'm disappointed in you guys isn't because you don't appreciate beauty, um, although, but is is because uh, you, I like novelty. You know, I like mixing it up, seeing something new. So to have the thought of, I love the Rocky Mountains, but come on, I've been there, man. I've been there. All right. What about, let's see, this, yeah, this time has been uh, filled with graces, a plethora, a cornucopia, if you will, of <laughs> graces. <laughs> my, my, uh, my sister challenged me. I had asked them something about my first mass, and I think it was my sister Mags who said, uh, I dare you challenge you to fit whatever if i come up with a word can you fit it into your mass i said well all right go ahead yeah what cornucopia let's try see see if you can get cornucopia into your mass and i think it was something like that like this is a real cornucopia of friends who are here or cornucopia of graces we have shared today at the, um so i have returned to the you know Circle just, back just a little Latin horn of plenty for our listeners. Yes. <laughs> Come on. That's the corn. Um, let's see. So I've never seen a bush draped in fuchsia before. I didn't even know that it could be a natural color. He's good, isn't he? Oh, he's good. Wow. I yeah. never expected to hear the uh, such a profound word, a term as a pressure cookie. I I walked this road. Yes, um, a joy being with the brothers. Um, I think a particular grace for me among several was that I had been feeling sorry for myself coming into this thing and grumbling a lot about my life. And in fact, life can get kind of stressed out and overwhelming at times. And it had been for a little while before this trip, such that... I got to the point where I woke up from a dream. I've told some of you guys that I had a dream that I had left the city, left the life of um, diocesan priesthood, and gone to the monastery at Snowmass to become a Trappist for the rest of my years. <laughs> and I woke up so happy that it really disturbed me. I thought, what, what is going on? Is this my vocation? How do I discern this thing? Am I supposed to be... But it just was like, okay, I get restless and I'm stressed out or whatever. So I come on the, on the pilgrimage. I'm loving the pace, just being out walking and having nothing else that I need to be doing. Talking to some friends, talking to brothers, um, talking to God, musing on the fuchsia in the, the, in the, the trees, 
there was yeah just so many beautiful things and um i yeah i was really enjoying that but then coming up to the to the um the shrine one of my thoughts was um what do i have to give to you lord you know what is it that i what what gift can i give to you when i feel like um i am being sort of um I don't know, dragged along by my schedule and my life that I've given my life to service of the church and the service of you, O Lord. And, um, but I don't feel like I wake up every morning saying, Oh, you know, what, what gift can I give and how, how can I best give of myself? And, um, so I thought on this pilgrimage, I'm going to, um, meditate on what does it mean to be a gift to God? And one of the points of reflection was, how the whole Jesuit life is geared toward glorifying God. That's the word that they use, glorifying God. And um, and so I wanted to, to, you know, give something to glorify God. And I, by the time I made it to the shrine, I still had no answer. What does this look like? And then we were in the middle of Mass, and I had this word that was, this is the perfect gift. And looking at it, it's, it's true. Here, you know, here we are at Mass giving the Father... Uh, his own son, and ourselves in union with his um, with his body, as an offering to God, and that this is the greatest gift, and it's the same gift that was the greatest gift that the martyrs gave, even greater than their um, than their own lives, than their blood, was the gift of the Eucharist. You know, every mass that they prayed, and I found that to be beautifully profound, and I found a lot of rest in that. That. I know that this is my life, this is my daily life, and even if I can't get things right in my own judgment, I do offer this most perfect gift to God. And that in, was a gift that was given to me with this vocation, that, you know, and this Christian life and baptism and the invitation to know the most profound things and um, how to glorify God. So I feel restored, I feel rested, I feel on top of the world and all that stuff. And um, I feel like, well, no. Uh, <laughs> 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 As Goebbels says, the monkeys start running. The monkeys start running. Um, yeah. So anyway, that's my, that's my grace, that I discovered the gift to be given, and it isn't something that I have to travel across the world to give. Um, it's something that's just been, I don't know, set into my life for the everyday. That's beautiful. You, uh, we've all been formed. Not all of us, because we have a son of Saint Dominic here. But we all have been formed in Ignatian spirituality, uh, Jacob, substantially through the uh, servants. But you definitely more than any of us are a son of Ignatius. So I think kind of getting back to your roots here with yeah. these boys and uh, yeah. So it's been a lot of prayer that way, and and real joy of just reminiscing on all of the beautiful influences I've had from the Jesuits and interceding for them has been a yeah, real gift too. I just went on a Ignatian retreat, but don't just edit that out, please. No, <laughs> well, we're leaving it, baby. You heard it first right here. Um, my dad, Bill Danaher has a great, he's used us for 25 years at work. He says, he always tells the guys in meetings, the five B's, be brief, brother be brief so i'm i'm I, <laughs> that's like a rule um so now he, you're pointing he at works me. in car dealerships I, it's not my strength i'm going to be real brief because i know we're short on time quick grace even though i just Please. joined in for mass yesterday and i'm staying until mass today after mass in orysville walking around the grounds um it's good i come from a full work week drove down the green mountains of vermont got there done mass and i was walking after mass um and just, you know, ask the Lord this question. I was like, you know, how did I become a priest? And it's just sort of when God has given you the gift and he helps you, you know, look with a, a touch of wonderment upon the gift that has been given. You know, it's like, and, and, and there's a sense in that too when I'm walking the grounds of I only have one life. You know, I, I, I wasn't raised with this exactly in mind. I had other things in mind, but it was good. Good moment, uh, walking underneath the trees there on the edge of the property, and uh, fellow priests reminding me just by their presence, like I'm a I'm a priest, 
what happened <laughs> in yeah. a positive sense. Yeah, not, yeah. That's happened a couple times before, but it's, it's good to get that. Um, a few just real fun outs, just because we're on air and I have an opportunity. Uh, Father Mike, you're you're a secret liturgist. I found you, you're very demanding. Con celebrants, he's putting them in lines, making them go. That surprised me. Yeah. <laughs> Not that John, you won't like this to be on the air, but uh, you brush your teeth before you drink coffee in the morning, and I don't understand. <laughs> Ridiculous. Uh, Jake, um, I was thinking of you could use. I, I love what you said about monastic time. Uh, I was thinking of a real rhetorical thing because people find church boring in, in repetition, but that's actually also a verb. You, you're boring deep down. You're drilling. Oh. Like, say, huh? Huh? <laughs> yeah, Maybe I, with some local Appalachian it. crowds. You ever been to Baltimore? They don't have tunnels. They have boars. Bore one. Bore two. Is it? Bore three. Hmm. It's very exciting. Mm. Don't they have blue crab too? You could leave it. Yes. Blue crabs. You got a word for uh, Sean over there? <laughs> yes. Um, Sean is Gaelic for John. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, boy, God is gracious. God we uh, bus is leaving in about three minutes. So um, hey, thank you guys. God Father, thanks everyone. God Father Tim Danaher. Uh, I just want to say a final word of just gratitude for this. Is this guy has been uh, one of the the strongest and most steady supports. Uh, we don't see often. He's 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 become a great friend of the companions. He does parish missions for the guys and. Uh, but I just want to say a word of just thanks, man, because uh, you've been a great friend and a great support. And I think you you helped us through some times there to just support counsel, wisdom, and you bring a lot of joy to our life. So great to be with you and great to have you in the air. Thanks so much. In the words of Otis Redding for the next time to come. Sitting on the dock of the... Is that... <laughs> no, not Otis. That is Otis Redding. I don't think Bill Withers. Lean on me. Okay. Lean on me. Okay. Hey, dude! Just as a uh, solemn statement, thing. lean on me. That's it. I uh, <laughs> I second the the uh, sentiments and the gratitude. Do you have any shout outs? It's, this is your chance for the shout outs. How about, um, how about to Jack Bruskern? Jack Bruskern, who's uh, from Our Lady of Lourdes in Denver and Dartmouth College. Um, the people of God themselves. We serve them, and they're the craziest, best. I I, I was telling Father John over here. They're they're the the whiskey of the human race, dealing with people that believe, you know, there's beer, there's wine, then there's whiskey. And it's a strong drink, but they, they make <laughs> us all grow up. Thank you to the people of God. They form priests more than priests form priests. Well, it depends. It's an argument. Next time. Beautiful. All right, let's wrap it up there. CatholicStuffPodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, boys, for a great uh, few days. We'll see you Likewise. next week.